friend knew a smuggler who was helping people get to Turkey via Kurdistan. Alma, I'm telling you, that's very dangerous. You won't be able to do that. But I have no choice. Welcome to the second episode of Arwa's story in Why Am I in Your Country? This is a podcast which tells extraordinary stories behind the refugees and asylum seekers we keep hearing about on the news. They tell us why they came to the UK, what were the appalling things that were happening in their homes, in their countries that made them make this desperate journey. To try and build new lives for themselves and their families here in Britain. My name is Charlotte Eager. My name is William Sterling. Welcome to Why Am I in Your Country? Now we're going to carry on talking to our friend Awa Amaran. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, William. I'm happy to be with you. Thank well, you. It's lovely to see you, Awa. So William and I run a project uh, for refugees, a drama project called the Trojan Women Project, which we've been doing for the last 10 years. Awa, who was an actress in Syria, is Hekiba in our current project. We've been working with her for the last three years. So throughout this podcast, we'll be dropping into Arwa's story, bits of her performance last summer in Trojans UK 23 at the KNC Festival. And you can see just how fantastically well what Euripides wrote two and a half thousand years ago in that play reflects what Arwa and people like her are going through today. I shall leave my fatherland, my city is being touched. The name of our land will go into oblivion. All is scattered and gone. Wretched Troy is no more. If you want to find out more about what we actually do with the Trojan Women Project, you can either listen to the bonus episode on the Trojan Women Project in our podcast, which will be coming soon, or you can go to our website, www.trojanwomenproject.org. But now, back to Awa. In episode one, Awa, a Syrian-Palestinian actress who just graduated from drama school when the war started, told us how she and her family... Palestinian refugees living in Syria since 1948 had been forced to leave Syria when their hometown, Yamuk, a Palestinian suburb of Damascus, was heavily attacked by Syrian government troops. We had to live here. For six years, Awa and her family lived in Lebanon, where Awa worked on a BBC radio soap opera, amongst other jobs, until the Lebanese government insisted that Palestinian Syrian refugees return to Syria. When they arrived, they discovered that their house, and indeed most of Yamuk, which had been controlled for some years by ISIS, had been destroyed in the fighting. No houses, no facilities, no people. Hermuk had gone. Living in Damascus, daily negotiating a network of checkpoints armed by trigger-happy, bribe-hungry teenagers, Awa also soon discovered that, as an actress, she was coming under increasing pressure from the Syrian government to publicly come out as supporting the regime. The dust winting. The dust winging its way to the sky, like smoke will hide my house forevermore. Very reluctantly, she realised that to have any hope of a normal life, for a future, she was going to have to leave her home, her family, her burgeoning career, and her beloved dog Jacko, and try the terrifying journey to make a new life in Europe. So, I bet $1,500 to the smuggler. And how did you find the smuggler? Well, I live with my aunt to Lebanon to find a way, because lots of people immigrate to Europe by smugglers. But my aunt knew someone who there's smuggler help. So we called him. He said, yeah, there's a smuggler who helped me. But be careful. This is very dangerous. I said, well, there's no option. 
So he gave me the smuggler number and I connected with him and he said, this is the process, which is different than the reality. You know, he told me, yeah, four hours you will be in Turkey. And then I spent 25 days to get to Turkey <laughs> and been <laughs> catch twice from uh, Gendarma and returned the, the gendarmes, the, the, the Turkish gendarmes, police. Yeah. He asked me, not, you just only have like pyjama, tracksuit, two shoes, just in case. And that's it. And so I had to go quickly just to pick up my stuff and say goodbye. This is the final time. I feel now like really I couldn't hug my family well. I couldn't hug my mom well. And even my mom, she just wants me to leave to, to feel safe because we don't know any minutes that I can be attacked and I don't remember even I said goodbye to Jaco. They held him in the room. My mom was scared. I didn't hug her. And what was it like when you were sort of running for your life and you were escaping? It's interesting because I thought like I experienced lots of things so let's experience this journey as well. Let's have it to my CV. I thought I'm going to walk like four hours, like millions of people. I was excited just to leave Syria. And I do remember when I went to Arapil, Kurdistan. Um, I was walking through Kurdistan. To yes, the smuggler was waiting there. He picked up me from the airport and then he took me to the hotel. And there's a group been waiting for a couple of days. And then the smuggler said, Arwa, they are complaining. They want to try now. Do you, do you want to rest? Or do you want to try now? I said, no, I'm here to try. Try getting Turkey. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm happy to try. So I tried straight away. I went to Syria and then from Syria to Lebanon and then to the airport and then from airport, you know, to the try straight away to walk to Turkey. The excitement, the challenge, like I need to fight for myself, to fight for my future, for my safety. And then when they catch us, all of this become like, oh my God, no, it's, it's, it's not an experience. This is an humanity way to be safe. Because we had to walk first for seven hours and then we saw the Gendarma point and then we had to return back a bit, two, three hours, sleep there. Next day we had to try, walk nine hours because we had to change direction. And what direction. are you walking through? What's it? Mountains, mountains and jungles and... Kurdistan, forest, but Kurdistan specifically, and Iraq and all of this area, really harsh geography. It's not easy. We walked and walked and walked for nine hours. I was so thirsty. I could have a drink the deepest ocean. The sun scratches hot as hell. And the mountain was steep. I could not breathe. I had no oxygen. It was in Kurdistan, August, 40 degrees. And we had run out of water. Yeah, and I was uh, harsh smokers. <laughs> we just like finished water because this direction is not being expected. I filmed myself because I thought I was going to die and maybe someone would find my phone. And we ended up being catched anyway. 
So what do they do when they catch you? They first they catch a group because I was tired already and fell down under a tree. And then uh, suddenly I've heard voices behind me. Then oh my god. And then they catch people. So I thought they are coming to catch me. And because I surrounded and then suddenly the voice just vanished. And I thought, oh my God, like very, very dark in middle the nowhere. And then after like 10, 15 minutes, me just thinking, what's going on? You know, it's a very surreal scene. And then there's two guys came, one Kurdish and one Syrian with my backpack. It seemed that the smuggler, he just threw it and he escaped. And they, those two guys came and they said, we can find another way. Let's... Let's go. Let's escape from this area. And I thought like, yeah, wow, we are lucky. Maybe we have chance. I mentioned before about the sexual harassment from that Kurdish guy. And this has traumatized me more because we are not in the pub drunk to have this sexual motivation. I'm not being a victim. But for women, it's very dangerous. Very dangerous. We are in the middle of nowhere. We're thirsty, we're tired, we're not safe. And someone just like a monster, like Jerk, he wanted to take advantage of this moment. Anyway, we kept walking and it seemed he led us to the army area. You can't see anything. The dogs start barking. And then I realized, oh my God, this is army point. They start to shoot in the sky to let us know like we are here we had to go down and then they shoot next to us we surrounded they came and they check us i told them i'm palestinian i'm muslim i'm journalist whatever they didn't care so we had to walk back again so they walked with us to where they can see us going back on kurdistan back on kurdistan yeah so they basically escort you to the border and they yeah, yeah, send yeah. you back get, to yeah 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 we get to the border, but they catch us in the border. So we had to try another time. Second time, different way, uh, which is included the river. And uh, I had to change the smuggler there. And even this way, they catch us. Because the thing is, we are groups around like 40. We have old people, we have kids, we have babies. You know, we have disabled. I remember you telling me you were helping the disabled yeah, guy cross the mm. guy who I think he's Iraqi and he got iron leg. He was with his sisters and while we are crossing the river, he just panicked and he catched me and he tried to get me down. I got that strength. I hold him, I carried him, and then said, "Don't worry, we need just to cross." The thing is, you need to cross the river, so the and river, then you need to crawl. So is this the river between Turkey and Greece? No, Kurdistan and... The river between Kurdistan and yeah, Turkey. there's so. another river between Turkey so, and Greece. So, so you finally cross from Kurdistan into Turkey by crossing this river? No, we've been catch again in this, because of this guy. Because, because he couldn't crawl. Because he couldn't crawl. Because of his leg. Mm. So the radar just catch us. They were flashing on us with projectors. So they came and they catch us. Circle like we have like projectors, they're holding projectors. This is it like being an actress, but exactly real. this is the thing, like yeah, <laughs> I know this projectors from theatres, but not from the jungles and with armies. They divided us in two cars. We were wet and miserable and 
the ladies had to go to a room in the mountain. They have their point there and change our wet clothes to another wet clothes because all my stuff wet already because the river. And then they turned back us again to Kurdistan, to the point that we started from the river. So they put us there and they said, walk. And then we lost for five hours because they divided us. There's no smugglers. Always smugglers, they know how to escape. It's a nightmare. I think it's horror, like horrorful. Sorry. So when you look back on that journey, are you amazed that you made it through? Well, how did you cross the river finally into Turkey? Third time. The smuggler decided, because he, he got bad, um, what's called, uh, uh, his name being, you know... Uh, a bad reputation. reputation. It would be bad his reputation he smug- if he, he would didn't lose succeed. lots of people if he didn't succeed. And he, yeah, and then he money, decided, he, exactly, he need to, this group need to make it somehow. It's interesting because it's a business. Yeah, and uh, then he decided to just like make seven men and two ladies, me and another lady, like young people who can just like be quiet and and we passed the same place from the river, and we crawled for seven, seven hours, hours for seven hours. And the farmer of this huge place was actually uh, opening all the waters for the stuff that was mud. So I do remember mold. I'm tired mud mud sorry mud gooey brown stuff yeah. Because he was opening the waters... Uh, For the irrigation channels. Yeah. I wanted to rest. And no one can stand. If, if someone want to just like smoke cigarettes, because all of us smokers, one who can hold it like this and hold it to another, like seven, eight people from one cigarette. And when I need to rest, I need to sleep over the water and the mud on my back. Anyway, we made it. So we left, I do remember, 10.30. And at 6 o'clock morning the Turkish smuggler they found us they've been waiting for us in their car in, in so Turkey you, so, borders so they meet you on the other side of the river yes and not only the river we had to walk another two three hours after the river ah, so after the river yeah. once you're in Turkey you walk for another two or three hours yes to, with, to reach that point with your Kurdish smuggler and he takes you to the Turkish smuggler Kurdish smuggler give us the Turkish smuggler right yeah the handover <laughs> they hand over so oh, now yeah. you're in Turkey. What happens then? <sighs> well, then uh, the Turkish smugglers were waiting for us with cars. So they pick up us to flat where we can change our clothes and, you know... Get I, rid of the mud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, they get, ask us for money, which is, this wasn't the plan. And then I had fight for them. And then uh, one of them, he said, you need to go back to Assad then, do you? Because you didn't want to pay them money. So yeah, because I paid the smuggler, the Kurdish one, all the money. How much, did you, the pay the, uh, how much did you pay the Kurdish smuggler? Uh, first one, uh, $1,500. And then because they didn't success and I didn't want to try with him again. So he returned back 600 and he took 900 so another smuggler, I paid like a thousand something. Kurdish just smuggler again. Yeah, yeah, just a Turkey. And, so, and how much is it? And that was supposed to include that, that Turkey We're asking well. us for like $30, for $35. But the thing is, that they took advantages of that, you know, no one can rescue you. They control us. Yeah. So we had to buy at the end. Another $35. Yeah. It's the principle though, isn't it? 
You'd paid for a package smuggling trip and you were being ripped off. Exactly. This is the smuggler shop smuggling you and ripping you off. And so in Turkey, what happens then? And then they said we can't stay in this flat because they were scared someone just tell the police there's some strangers here. They said we should go to Istanbul. So how far from Istanbul are you at this point? 12 hours. By car? Yeah. And then, yeah, it's like really drama. The police then were following us. But when you were in the car? Yeah, in the van. Because the smugglers been fight for something. We don't know because they... Well, they have a ride between themselves. Yeah. One of the smugglers, he called the police. He said there's drugs and stuff in this van. So <laughs> the police follow us and the driver... That's he a lot thing you need. Yes, really. We just noticed it in Istanbul. The van driver, mm-hmm. he was looking at the mirror and he said, oh, there's a police asking him to stop. He said, just tell them. He picked up us from another point. Or to lie to the police about yes, where he got you yes, from. Yeah. Yes. And if, you, if you'd been arrested, would you be deported back I to... I don't know. I have no idea. They asked us to get off... Um, the van. Well, the police stopped the van. Yeah, yeah. And um, they ask you to get out. Yeah, all, get out, all of us. And then they ask for ID. I give them my travel document. I told them I'm well, Palestinian. Palestinian Syrian yeah. travel document. And he said, do you have permission to stay here? I said, no, I'm on my way now to United Nations to get refugee stuff. The United Nations building in, in Istanbul. So you told them a lie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah because uh, I can't tell them I'm, I'm smuggling. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. They knew this. So they knew that you were being smuggled. I didn't know, but they knew I'm lying, at least. Yeah. But they were looking for drugs, so they just searched the, um, the van and whatever. Then they couldn't find anything. And then he told me, you need to go straight away. Otherwise, another police can put you in prison. Oh, well, that was nice of him. So and he knew exactly said, yes. what was going on. I don't know, to be yeah. honest. I don't know. But, well, the lady with me... She said she had to give them, because she was Kurdish Iraqi, and she got tattoos and stuff, mm. and shaved part of her head. She, so they suspicious her like she's coming for prostitution. Mm. They took her aside, one mm. of the police took her aside. She said she had to give him $200. Mm-hmm. This is her story. But I didn't see anything. What is it about her tattoos that made them think she might be a prostitute? She was having tattoos everywhere and shaving her head the same as Rihanna's style. Oh, so like a pop star? Yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> Not some strange tribal so, yeah, head shaving. No. It seems they have stereotype, whatever. I felt sorry for her. And then we get the van again. So I had friends in Turkey. She was waiting for me. She said, there's a mall, so let the driver get you there. So I spent six days in Turkey. Staying with a friend? Yeah. Having some normal life? Yeah, no, no. I was looking for a smuggler because I spent literally six days. I just wanted to escape. Oh, right, so you had to find another smuggler in Turkey to take you into Greece. Yeah, yeah. And so how difficult was it to find another smuggler? Well, I asked people. They said lots of immigration routes. So I just connected with someone and he said, you need to go to X-ray, an area there where smugglers just sitting everywhere. And really? you can ask anyone. And I do remember my friend, she went with me and she was scared, like, oh my God. Smugglers sitting around. Yeah, in the restaurant. We've heard Syrian accent. We asked and then they told us there's a smuggler here, smuggler there, whatever. And the deal didn't work. And then someone from the circle 
told me about another smuggler and I connected him and he asked me to go to see him and I went there and we did the deal and he said yeah jungle the same like but not as Kurdistan the forest less harsh so what was the deal the deal is that me paying uh, around thousand euro and then there's cars gonna take us to the point mm -hmm. and we need to walk mm -hmm. till we see the river and then we're gonna see a port and someone gonna blow the port at uh, the boat yeah the boat yeah so smugglers helper because the smuggler himself he won't go the post, he won't go. So you weren't crossing on the sea, you were crossing over... I refused to go by the sea. Because I have an aunt who tried to emigrate to Europe by Egypt. And she drowned. Going from Egypt to Italy by sea? Yes, by sea. And there's a huge incident happened. There's boat being attacked or, I don't know, being crushed with another boat or ship coming from Gaza. This is what we've heard. But she drowned. And, and most of them drowned, actually. Like the survival couple of people, that's it. Of her boat? Uh, yes. Oh, wow. Well, so, so, yeah. So, yeah. When did that happen? <sighs> that, like, we were in Lebanon, 2016, maybe. So, two years before this? Yes, something like that, yeah. So, so you decided not to risk this? Yeah, no way, no. Yeah. Can um, you swim? I love swimming, but I almost drowned in Lebanon. And when I was 13 years old in Syria as well, so I know what it means to, mm. to drown literally and die in the sea. So it's different between going for swimming and going to smuggling in the sea. By the way, the sea is much cheaper. Oh, is it? Yeah, because it's more dangerous. Because you are in the sea, in middle nowhere. There's, I wanted stable ground all the way is dangerous, but for me, still the sea, the nightmare. So they pick up us from the cars to the point where we need to walk like two hours and then found the river and there's someone with the boat, so they need to blow up the boat. It's a little inflatable, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. What colour was it? Black. Yeah, it should be black because in smuggling, even our clothes shouldn't be colour. Well, of course. And how many were you in the boat? I think 15. Oh, right, so it's quite a big boat. No, I'm not a greedy smuggler. <laughs> this is why, to be honest, this is smuggler. He said, I don't want to risk because of his reputation. So you haven't blown up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that? Yeah, yeah, there was yeah. no pump? I, d I can't remember because it was dark, but I do remember it wasn't blow up and they had to blow up. So the greedy smuggler who's worried about his reputation gets you, 15 of you, in this boat. And how difficult was it crossing the river? Very difficult because... We're almost in uh, the end of September. Yeah. So uh, I do remember the trees was falling down already in the river. The leaves. The trees. The trees? There's the trees. Yeah, there's trees who fall down. And uh, while the guy, he was battling, and because of the material of the boat, any push of the trees can... can, can Puncture the boat. Yeah. Any of the twigs could puncture exactly. the boat. Yeah. So this is why it was very high risk, but the guy, he was really, really smart. I didn't know that the river river more dangerous than the sea mm. because of it's faster. So our boat wanted to go to to very bad direction, but then he just prevent and change the direction. He was very strong and, and very how, experienced. How wide was the river? 
not too much. I don't know, the, like 200 minutes, 300 minutes, not yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah. So, so still quite wide. Well, Jacko, so Jacko, while she was having all these adventures, was being looked after in Damascus. Jacko, uh, his, his, what is this, your friend? That's the crow. Come here. Jacko, um, I brought him. Jack, come here. Jacko, mommy, come here. Take this. Let's have some treats. Jacko seems to be crowed out of the window. Closet where he can get some treats if he's a good boy. Oh, well, you're on a rubber dinghy in the middle of a river. We went to three spots of rivers. One that night, and then we slept over, and then second day, we just went to another two rivers. And then we arrived to a point where the huge abandoned house, and that was the border with Greece. I consider it as a smooth, very smooth journey. Yeah. Comparing with Kurdistan and Turkey. Yes, yes, yes. So what happened it's when like you got three days? Spent three days, yeah. but but no one catch us. You know, was resting and stuff. We were with different group for sure. Now, but what actually hurts that you can see in that abandoned house, lots of shoes and backbags and the same also things on our way. You can see people through their bags because they've been tired to carry stuff. You can see food, whatever. And in this house, like very, very dark, abandoned, it's in the border. Uh, that means we get grease. I don't know how I just slept till next morning. Because we were actually lucky because they've been told, we've been told that last week something like that, the Greek and German army, something, actually attacked this spot as they knew there's immigration there. So we've been lucky that no one actually come at that night. Commandos. Commandos attacked. Commandos, yeah. Commandos were aware about that point. So what did it feel like to finally make it to Europe? I just didn't believe it. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I spent over a year or more until my homelessness stuff actually happened. And to to just like, oh my God, I'm in London. Come here, Jacko. I couldn't believe like I'm I'm UK and London because I had to face lots of nightmares that I'm still in the jungles or I'm falling. Well, you'd have flashbacks when you were sleeping here, you'd have nightmares. Yeah, no, just nightmares, just seeing nightmares. Just to continue our story, after she got to Greece, the smugglers then took her to Athens yeah. And then she had to get a fake passport. And do you want to explain your passport situation to yes. us? Yes, my smuggler, because this is a different smuggler in Greece. And he suggested not to go by Athens airport, as a huge airport and good control. He suggested to go to Corfu, small island there, and small airport. And lots of tourists. Oh, lots of tourists, yeah. I mean, but literally small, just like two borders, like two doors for this, that's it. Was your passport? Was American. This is why I took a risk, because it's American passport. I knew like no one would even look at me. This is how much I believe the passport was strong. So you bought an American, fake American, well, it was a real American passport. Real American passport to the Indian lady. Who had, had, stolen, had lost it or something? I have no idea. I just know the smuggler sell it to me. And how much did you pay for it? 
550 euro. Yeah. Because the, the thing is, if I want to try with him, I need to pay him like 6,000. And I didn't have any money. So and then he suggested you can buy it and try it by yourself. So Aura, when you were traveling, did you just have a huge pile of cash on you? No. So how did you do all the money, giving the money to the smugglers? So first smuggler, I already had the money. Mm -hmm. I gave him once at the airport. I arrived mm -hmm. because he was waiting for me. He got the money in the hotel. And then, uh, well, my actually my sisters and her husband gave the second one. Are they wanted it? Yeah. And this is what happened also with the another smuggler. Another because smuggler. otherwise that's another word. If you're carrying cash on you, yeah. you know, then you can be yeah. robbed for your cash. Yeah. No, but I had like 200 something even left with me when I came to London. I had 250 euro. That was it? Yeah. That. So if you wanted a fake passport, you'd have to pay him 6,000 euros. But if you... No, he, 6,000 euro mm. with a better passport because the lady doesn't look like me at all i had to make myself a bit look like her but the thing is i depend on it's an american so no one would care plus he would book the hotels the ship to the corfu hood if if i didn't succeed he would try with me again so i have i think three times or something and he said this is six thousands because you mentioned you've been in bad journey he said because i ask another one who paid 12,000 just to get to Britain. The thing is, Britain expensive. Why? I don't know, because they believe it's hard to get to Britain. So they are doing their best for you to get to Britain. And why did you want to come to Britain and not stay in Greece? While I was looking for the smuggler in Greece, I walked past a school, and that school was full of immigration. And it was miserable, 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 miserable. And then I, I asked, what's the deal here? They said they faced like lots of bad situation and you can see and so I didn't feel safe. When you say bad situation, what do you mean? Were they attacked? Could they get jobs? No, no, it's just being held in, in the school. In the camps, yeah. It was a camp in yeah, the school. Yeah, right, in the I school, see. yeah. I, I'm a refugee already and I know what does mean that you are a number. I didn't want to be a number. And after all of this, I just wanted to build a future. And I didn't feel safe in Greece. How I've seen and what I've heard, you know. Plus, because I worked with BBC before, so I had connected with British Circle. I had British boyfriend before who I met in Lebanon. He's a doctor. And there's always history especially from my background, I'm British. You know, my granddad, he got British passports in Palestine. Really? Yeah. I have a picture of it. I tried to ask a lawyer if my mom can get it because her dad uh, got it and said, no, they changed the law a long time ago. Because really? my granddad, he never, ever come to UK. But he had a British passport. Because Britain, back then, that was 1939 was controlling Palestine. Yes. So we were under that British Empire. So the same as Cyprus, because I know people from Cyprus who had British passport while they are in Cyprus. And then they come here easily. And did you grow up learning English at school? As a refugee, we studied in United Nations schools in Syria. 
But in general, in Syria, we study English. What did it feel like? So you get on the plane, you go through passport control with your fake American passport in Corfu, and you get on the plane, and then the plane takes off. What's the point at which you realise that you've escaped? It's, 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 it's not like that first. I, I was shaking all the way in the airport, in Greece, in Corfu. I was shaking all the way to the, that spot. The security, she asked me to put my jacket and I put my ticket. I misunderstood because of the shaking and confusing in my head. People think like, oh my God, now safer than jungle. No. At least in, in the forest, you walk free. If you're lucky, no one's going to catch you. Plus, because the smuggler, I paid him only the money of the passport. He said, if they catch you, you need to buy another passport and pay money for me and try again. So for me, like, this is the point where either I'm going to do it or not. So that was extra stress for me. But they never ever suspicious me that I'm smuggling. They suspicious that I'm under drugs or something. So then the security asked me to go to the corner. And then he asked me to, to put my hand straight and there's something he just put it as testing me. So they thought you might be a drug smuggler? No, a, a drug use, like I, I'm under influence or high. Oh, they thought, oh, I see. Because I never fit the stereotype of smuggling. I was like tall lady, skinny, yeah. wearing a nice leggings, yeah. a nice top, you know. No, always very elegant. I'm an American that. passport. But they're suspicious, like maybe uh, under influence or high. However, when they checked, okay, sir, sorry, ma'am, please. And then I went to the officer. He just looked at the uh, passport. He just like checked it and he stamped it. He didn't look at me. And then saying go. And I went waiting for the plane and then <laughs> coming late I think should be 11.30 evening and late till quarter to 12 and I felt like God doing all of this because he wanted me to be catched hmm. and then I realized no God wanted this plane to be late because the people who work in the plane itself they will be busy to try and let all of the crowded in so they will not focus They'll not be checking properly. So I was lucky. So they checked it quickly because people late and people complaining. So yeah, and I do remember I chose to sit. My seat was next to the window. And I act like I'm sleeping because I don't want to speak to anyone. So I don't want to be catched. For sure I couldn't sleep. But I just felt like, so no one can talk. Jacko. Was it the crows again? Yeah, that's fine. Come here, Jacko. Come here. Jacko. Oh, all right. Your plane lands at Gatwick. What happens then? So the smuggler instructions. Oh, hang on a minute. Willie wants to come up. I'm so proud of you because you're a good boy. This is good. Jack is a very good guard dog. Come here. Jack is a very handsome golden retriever. What did he look like when he was a puppy? Oh, I, I have a picture for him. I'll show you his picture. He's really lovely. Huh? <laughs> look funny. Yeah, he looked funny. He looked like a little golden ball. Yeah. Little fluffy golden ball. But not. he doesn't look innocent. Hello, Jacko. Jacko, down, please. 
Um, excellent. Okay, so let's start so again. Where did you get to? She's just landing at Gatwick. Oh, yeah, I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I feel like I'm doing again. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. I'm okay, but to be honest, I lost my trauma of the journey. Now I have homelessness trauma. So this is where we're going to leave Arwa for this week. She has finally arrived at Gatwick Airport. She's finally in the UK after weeks and weeks of fleeing through the forests and crossing rivers and nearly dying. And years of being a refugee. In fact, all her life being a refugee up until now. About years in exile in Lebanon and then the terror of returning to Syria. And of course, she's had to leave behind her beloved dog, Jacko. And she's now landing in Britain into the unknown. And then the next episode, we'll deal with what happened to Arwa when she got here. How she was finally reunited with her beloved dog, Jacko. What happened to her, how she coped with being homeless. And how she met Jonathan. We're actually going to have to wait even longer for this final episode because I was just about to interview Arwa when she went into labour and she's having a baby as I speak. So hopefully we'll get episode three in the next few weeks, although Arwa may be a bit busy. But if you want to find out what's happened to Arwa, Jonathan, their baby and Jacko, listen in. If you want to find out more about what we do at Trojan Women Project, go to www.com trojanwomenproject.org And you can also, if you want to, buy some of our films which goes to support our work. Or even make a donation, which would be just as good and possibly better. I shall leave my fatherland, my city is being torched, the name of our